0: This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu.
1: Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE. I'm joined this week by Gunther Deuber, who's the head of Economics, Fixed Income and FX Research at Raiffeisen Bank International. We met on the sidelines of the Banking Association for Central and Eastern Europe in Budapest recently to talk about what's going on in the region. So we were just in a session here uh, in Budapest talking about uh, the banking sector in Central and Eastern Europe. And the the takeout I took from it is it's actually all going pretty well. I mean that we had the crisis and then we've had a double dip and now everything is sort of settling down. People are going back to work. But what was the expression, you know, it's not going to get better you know it's not going to get worse but the good times that we had before are also not coming back it's a new normal it's slower it's more stable margins are thinner is that a fair assessment i think
0: generally speaking yes so the easy you know boom times the big catch-up growing rates we've seen from 2000 until 2007 2008 are unlikely to return but i think this is also more a global phenomenon in Europe uh, in, uh, in banking yeah. so also over European banks won't come back to the times that they have seen yeah? Yeah. and uh, this is also spilling over to the CE region yeah? but we have still recovered nicely and I think better than in Western Europe. Profitability is now at a reasonable uh, level in the region so I think banks can earn their cost of capital in the region no. which is a very important thing because we are still far away from that in Western Europe so, CE, SE is doing fairly well. And uh, I think it's important to see that for Western banks, also Russia is a decent source of income. And uh, we have definitely seen the bottom here and expect an uptick from already decent levels where we are.
1: Let's come on to Russia in a minute. Um, another interesting comment. It seemed to be you were suggesting that your core markets, and um, Raiffeisen, originally Austrian, that whole patch, northern Italy, you know, it's very lucrative, uh, well-off part of Europe, but that your core markets, the income you're making there is actually pretty sort of mundane, not very spectacular, but the profitable, the juicy markets, if you like, is still in Central Europe, and there you're earning significantly more. And if you take on the risk by going further east, then you know, it gets a lot hairier, but then the income that you can make from there is much bigger. So in that sense, the, the whole catch-up of going from an emerging market transition company, uh, country to a mature market is not over. There's still like, you know, a lot of work to do in terms of building up a business. But uh, that's slowly coming to an end in so much as those central European countries, you know, the Czechs, the Hungrys, they're um, they're becoming more normal. So the business is actually more predictable, the margins are still attractive, but they're not what they used to be in the fast catch-up growth. So definitely headline growth is is
0: not the same like in this fast catch up growth yeah but I think one has to be cautious with regards to you know too to low profitability and uh, decreasing profitability options there because in the end you know the fear about a fast compression in profitability was also I think the major idea why western banks including the Austrian banks went into riskier markets and also far east yeah and in some cases especially in Ukraine, for example, that did not pay off. And and actually, the deterioration in profitability in the more solid market, like Czech Republic, Slovakia, and also Hungary, we are also now back to profitability, was not as bad as it was feared some five to ten years ago. So I think this is then also related to the fact that these banking markets are structurally still more sound than in Western Europe. So the degree of banking over-penetration in in Western Europe is much higher than in CE. So maybe the ultra-fast and emerging market-style growth rates and profitability readings are over. Nevertheless, we are still in very decent territory, and I think the risk-return profile has turned out fairly reasonable in Central and Southeastern Europe, well, definitely at the margin, it also makes sense to take uh, more risk in, in the eastern markets. But I think it makes no sense to put all the eggs in the very eastern basket where you can easily have a return on equity of, I don't know, 30, 40%, like foreign banks posted. But we have seen the headline risk attached to this, I think, very well in recent years.
1: And with Easter around the corner, everyone's thinking about where to put their X. um, But you're saying, in effect, that the risks have actually been slightly less than you are expecting, and the returns have been uh, more than adequate. What sort of return on equity do you get, say, in your core markets versus Central Europe?
0: So in in the Austrian banking market, which is also very well a reflection of broader Western European trends, it's it's hard but reasonable to achieve a return on equity at around five to six percent. But actually, this is not really worth the cost of equity you're running as a large bank at the moment, and given all the changes in the CE markets with a well diversified country portfolio. I think you can manage at least a 15% return on equity like we have seen also in recent years. And I think this is definitely something that is still yeah, worth considering. And with such returns on equity, you can uh, run a bank, let me say, without burning capital, which you would do with just earning 5% return on equity, putting the cost of equity... For European banks, at least at 8 possibly 10%, something like this, depending on your individual risk profile.
1: And looking around the countries, is there marked difference between them? I mean, we were just listening to a session of CEOs from Hungarian banks, and they were complaining that the margins are getting squeezed because basically the country is overbanked and the consolidation is not happening. I think you could say that for a lot of markets. Um, are there big differences between Central European countries?
0: I think definitely it's a trend that margins are getting squeezed in banking and the uh, portfolios are more and more seasoned, you, so you still have some older credits with still more juicy interest rates running out and you have to disperse some stuff at, at lower rates. But I think the overall trend of margin compression in banking, it's a broader phenomenon. Nevertheless, we see the, the banking markets in, in Central Europe still more concentrated than in Western Europe. In Hungary, definitely a little bit more fragmentation prevails, also in Poland. But in Czech Republic, Slovakia and also Romania or so, I think we see already a decent degree of consolidation. And actually, I think at the moment, it's not the big phase of market share buying. Currently, I think people want to stick to their franchises, earn first a little bit of money in the current decent environment, and that we may, then we may get to another
1: round of consolidation or M&A. How bad was the last couple of years in terms of crisis? Because of course we had the big one in 2008, but you know I've been calling it the sort of silent crisis the last couple of years, to, starting in 2015. There, there was a double dip. You know, um, things got very nasty. Rifa as an international itself got into trouble, but I mean, are we through that now? Was At it- least uh, for the time
0: being, which is for me the foreseeable future, the next one to two years, uh, from our understanding, we are definitely, uh, let me say, around the corner in terms of worst crisis scenarios. I think we had a bad accumulation of uh, structural legacy assets from the previous, you know, boom-bust cycle that still had to be digested and sweat out, and also this Ukraine-Russia deterioration. And uh, yeah, we had a creeping deterioration in profitability in CE banking in 2013, 2014, while well, we had a certain recovery in Western Europe. So it looked not that healthy in the region back then. And in 2015, the average return on equity in the region, taking also Russia and Ukraine into account, was even below the return on equity in Western Europe in 2015. So that's why end of 14, beginning of 15, there were a lot of concerns about banking in the region. But as I mentioned, we are now once again to solid digital, uh, double-digit return on equity readings, while in Western Europe we are still struggling at 5 to 6%. Yeah. Uh, so right. we had a certain trend deterioration in 13, 14, 15 was this round of deterioration also in geopolitics, but I think uh, we are currently in a more stable environment. Central, south, eastern European markets are recovering, and at least nobody expects another round of deterioration affecting economics between uh, Russia and the West. Ukraine is a different thing. Ukraine is definitely not out of the woods, but I think in Russia it's pretty clear that domestic economy is stabilizing. The banking sector is recovering, following also, I would say, a decent cleanup that is also profiting to a large extent Western players that have functioning and well-proven business models on the ground.
1: Well, let's talk about Russia, because, um, again, it's, it's like chalk and cheese. If you look at it politically, it's, it's horrible. Uh, whereas if you look at it economically, it's actually starting to look pretty good, if not even ahead of expectations. The trouble with the Russian banking sector, though, is that the result of the crisis that all the businesses ended up in the two state-owned behemoths. And during the crisis years, when I was here two years ago giving a talk about this, it was 100% of the state sector's profit was spare bank. And today, I think it's still up at 70% of the entire sector's profit is spare bank. And it's on its own, whereas the other banks, the commercial banks in particular, are having a much harder time competing with it. Getting uh, cost of capital for them is higher. Um, the, the whole retail business has had the guts pulled out of it by the prudential rules that the central banks put in. Is, is the Russian banking sector basically just one, maybe two banks if you count VTB? Or is there a real banking sector there?
0: So I think uh, one has to differentiate definitely a little bit between financials, financial results and the size question. I think it, it's pretty, you know, pretty clear that in Russia nobody and especially also the foreigners cannot compete in terms of size with spare bank. That's, that's pretty clear. Yeah. Nevertheless, I, w- I would say that in terms of financials, some of the Western players outperformed, also Sparebank in recent years, if you look at profitability readings, core profitability readings and all this stuff. And uh, I think there is a certain clientele also in the market that is uh, still, I think, uh, yeah, worth running a larger franchise like some Western banks are doing in the country because we have several Western companies, Western investors, and also some Russian companies, also mid-sized companies that are looking for a foreign owned bank, a non-state Russian bank, and officially we are operating as a local Russian bank. So we have a market share of around 1%. Unicredit has more or less the same such gen, so in total 3-4% market share. That is, uh, let me say, still a decent chunk in this huge market. And there is this special clientele that still exists in the Russian economy, and as long as this clientele exists... I think there is a viable
1: business model. I'm going to ask you, uh, is that because they're just afraid that the government knows what they're doing, or is it because of services and rates?
0: As I mentioned, it's a mixture of both. Firstly, overall security, because these Western banks are considered as safe places. Definitely, there are some clients that don't want to bank with with state-owned, state-near banks, be it due to, let me say, Political considerations in a pure, you know, political sense that they don't like the state near companies, or yeah, because that they don't want to disclose their financials to to state near state-owned banks. Yeah. So you know, it, it's not up for us to judge this. It's a fact, and uh, as I mentioned, this is a certain clientele, and also some Western companies also prefer to to bank also with with Western. Western-owned bank in the country.
1: What about Ukraine? Because you've got an operation there as well. And um, today, uh, Gantarev the, the the governor, formally quit her job. So she'll be out by the end of the month. And now the whole succession thing starts. We have to wait and see um, whether they get a sort of liberal technocrat. However, what she did was, was clean the banking sector up enormously and provide economic stability to the country and uh, has been highly praised for that. But, uh, and ironically, Nabulina in Russia has been doing the same thing. So both those banking sectors are getting rid of the deadwood, getting rid of the the scam artists and, you know, the glorified treasury departments. But there's still a long way to go. I mean, in Russia, it seems that they're getting close now towards the end of the process. There's another maybe two, three hundred banks to go. Whereas in Ukraine, um, the big oligarchic banks... Are coming increasingly into line that it's going to be more difficult, I think, to to impose regulation on the Ukrainian banks. And at the same time, the banking sector itself in Ukraine is still far from healthy. If you look at the NPLs, non performing loans, in Russia they're down to whatever it is, 6 8%, whereas the sector aggregate number for Ukraine is up in the 40s, if not the 50s, which is, you know, if dangerous, isn't it? To the point they're still facing the possibility of a financial crisis if the regulator doesn't manage to do a good job. So, with regards to Ukraine,
0: definitely there was a decisive cleanup, and this this has to be acknowledged, that more or less half of the banks in the country have been shut down. Nevertheless, as you rightly mentioned, the, yeah, there was a high-profile case in Ukraine with Privatbank, yeah, and not a major high-profile case we have seen in Russia up to now. So this is a big difference, and pointing also... Yeah, to to more systemic uh, problems in the Ukrainian banking sector than in the Russian one. That you have such a high-profile institution being part of dubious transactions. So, I think a major aspect will be how this whole private bank case and all the private bank wind down and you know asset restructuring, asset selling will be handled. And I think this will be the big litmus test for mm. for Ukraine going forward because. In the end, I think, uh, yeah, we shouldn't end up once again in some oligarchic redistribution so that parts of maybe the still valuable assets uh, in this private bank group, yeah, and private bank was always the core of this private bank group, will be distributed maybe for, for cheap you know, to to some other oligarchs, where the troubled
1: assets will be then with the
0: Ukrainian taxpayer and all this stuff. Yeah, so at the moment,
1: the taxpayer is underwriting the bill to the tune of whatever it is, four, five billion dollars.
0: Definitely, and I think yeah, this will be the major challenge for the next one to two years. Yeah, to see whether this will be done in a professional and non-oligarchic way. Yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, it, it's not a very good sign that this process will will end up in such a transparent and oligarchic way that the hand of the central bank uh, is resigning now. We all know that the central bank was was sort of largely behind this private bank uh, nationalization. The central bank was for a longer time, I think, yeah, pushing for that, supportive for that, yeah. So, yeah, pointing once again to some sort of, you know, intransparent political infighting, vested interest and all this stuff. Yeah, And it will be a very challenging thing to restructure this this whole franchise. And if we don't end up in a reasonable market-friendly restructuring in a transparent way, I think, yeah, it will be very bad for the sentiment and the reputation of, of the country. And I think already the, I would say, the, the numbers of this uh, yeah, nationalization are rather shocking because, you know, it's a franchise of, depending how you how you count the 10 to 12 US dollar billion balance sheet, yeah, and you need 4 to 5 billion to stabilize these things. So, this points to a lot of, yeah, <laughs> strange accounting practices there, but it also shows that a lot of, yeah, issues have been tolerated in the past.
1: So, you have to tip the hat. I mean, they have made enormous progress uh, that... Every emerging market in the region went through a very nasty banking crisis. And if you ask me, by rights, Ukraine should have gone through a very nasty banking crisis in the last few years and didn't. And they've made this start. Trevor, very good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Um, Hope to talk to you again soon. Okay, thanks.